The tour content from now through Lagwa Omer has been generously sponsored by Malki M. Thank you, Malki. June is less than a month away, which means that I'll soon be transitioning into summer writing mode with more Substack articles and fewer recorded shiurim. The bulk of these articles will remain free. However, if you would like to support my Torah and gain access to additional spicy written content, consider becoming a paid subscriber by going to rabbishneweis.substack.com and signing up today. Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the Stoic Jew Podcast, where we explore the relationship between Judaism and Stoicism. Today's reading is one that we've read many times because it is about one of the fundamentals of Stoicism, namely impressions, or fantasias, if that's how you pronounce it. This is Epictetus' Discourses, Book 2, Chapter 18. Epictetus writes, In the first place, do not allow yourself to be carried away by the intensity of your impression, but say, Impression, wait for me a little. Let me see what you are and what you represent. Let me test you. Then, afterwards, do not allow it to draw you on by picturing what may come next, for if you do, it will lead you wherever it pleases. But rather, you should introduce some fair and noble impression to replace it and banish this base and sordid one. So brief recap about what the idea is of impressions. Uh, so an impression is the mental representation you make of what happens to you or what you see or what you're experiencing, and combined with your evaluation of that representation. So... So the example, let's just take an example here. Um, uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. Here's a good example. So yesterday I was uh, shopping, uh, going grocery shopping. I uh, drove to the grocery store and went shopping. And while I was uh, buying the groceries, while I was at the cashiers, I noticed that the key had come off of the the keychain. Uh, and, you know, the keychain had one of those uh, things, those uh, remote control uh, unlock lock devices. So I noticed that the key had, had come, become separate from that. So I reattached it, paid for the groceries, went out to the car, used the unlock thing to unlock the car, loaded up the groceries, and then moved to start the car and noticed that the key was not on the keychain. Okay. Um, and uh, I was like, that's weird. I guess it fell off again. So. So that the the reality. What was the reality? The reality was, I I was the noticing that the key had, had was not on the keychain. Okay, um, now I could have formed a uh, an unhealthy impression of that of I lost my key and this is bad and this is you know uh, inconvenient and this is worth getting stressed or getting angry about. And it could have uh, really uh, ruined my my day, my morning. It could have made me, you know, panic, whatever. What ended up happening was, thankfully, I'm not taking credit for this in terms of, like, being in control of my emotions. I knew that I drove to the grocery store. So I knew that the key was somewhere between... And, and, and I'd seen the key in the at the cashier. So I knew it was somewhere between the cashiers and the car. So I went and I checked, you know, every inch of the ground under the car on the way. I talked to the cashier. I looked all around inside the store. I talked to the customer service person. She helped me out. Couldn't find it. Walked around for uh, a long time. Uh, still couldn't find it. But again, I, I, you know, the thoughts were coming into my mind of, well, what am I going to need to do? Am I going to need to call an Uber, Uber all the way home, get a spare key, and then Uber all the way back to unlock the car? You know, that's going to cost money. That's going to be, you know, a, a huge dent in, uh, in, in my, um, you know, my income or whatever. So all these thoughts were coming into my mind, but I was able to maintain the correct impression, which is that that the key is here somewhere, and all I have to do is think about how to find it. And 
I realized what had happened is, you know how sometimes when they bag groceries in the paper bags, they use two paper bags because the groceries are heavy. So in the process of unlocking the car and putting the groceries in, the key had popped off and slipped in between the two paper bags at the bottom of one of them. So it was there and I found it and and uh, my groceries and I uh, lived happily ever after for the rest of that day. So that's an, an example of, of getting uh, overcome by impressions that I could have easily allowed, you know, gotten overcome by the impressions. And then if that I didn't have that peace of mind, I might have panicked so much that I couldn't have found the key. And then I would have had to pay the money and then freaked out about that because it's just another impression, et cetera, et cetera. OK, so the notion of impressions is don't just accept the version of what is happening to you that first comes into your mind because that's generated by your imagination and fueled by your fears and fantasies and desires and other emotions. Instead, tell that, like Epictetus says, tell that impression to wait. And really, you need to be the master of your impressions and not let them to be the master of you. Okay, so that's the the concept, okay? But the thing that prompted this video, actually, this not video, this, uh, this podcast episode is not the grocery uh, example, which I didn't even plan to talk about, but uh, a, a YouTube clip that my brother Johnny showed me. Okay, so he uh, he showed me this clip of the audition of the lead child actor Henry Thomas in Steven Spielberg's movie E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Okay, now I highly, highly encourage you to watch this because it is incredible. But because I'm in the middle of this podcast, I'm just going to describe what happens. Okay, so there's a backstory, and the backstory I read on Wikipedia and watching another uh, behind-the-scenes video, which I'll link to uh, as well, that basically this kid, who I think was nine years old at the time, Henry Thomas, auditioned uh, and did not perform well. This Wikipedia article says he did not perform well in the formal testing, but got the filmmaker's attention in an improvised scene. Okay, and what you'll see if you watch the video is uh, you'll hear Steven Spielberg in the background describing the plot uh, and saying how basically like, you know, you have this this alien and you've been keeping it a secret. And this guy, you know, from the government comes and tells you that he has to take the alien away and you are supposed to do whatever you can to prevent him from taking it away. OK, uh, and so as Steven Spielberg is, is explaining this, then then the, the kid is like nodding, you know, a very professional way of nodding that he understands. So then they have the actor who is playing opposite him, playing the the, uh, the government agent. Uh, they have him uh, tell Elliot, or sorry, tell Henry uh, that you know he has to give up this uh, this alien. And the performance that this kid puts on is absolutely incredible. I mean, he starts getting emotional and then starts crying and like it is <laughs> i'm crying just thinking about it right now it is I, i'm not surprised one of the most I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is one of the most moving performances i've ever seen in a child actor you know and I'm, I'm you know i'm growing up i grew up as a child of the 80s and the 90s when when child actors were very rare like good child actors you know most of them were hokey this was a kid in the 80s and an incredible performance and in this uh, behind the scenes video then the person who cast the kid says that like all of the adults in the room were crying by the end and then uh you know spoiler alert you can see this because it's in the title of the video as soon as he's done then steven spielberg just says okay kid you got the job okay so i'm watching this and i'm uh, i was thinking about it afterwards and i was thinking you know this is what this is what acting, uh, what real acting is, right? Real acting is not merely mimicry where you just put on the facial uh, expressions, but acting involves utilizing your imagination and really putting yourself into the character and then generating those emotions uh, in, in a real way. Now, 
if you look at this kid, and I, again, this is not a, uh, the, the Kiddush, the new idea here is not about acting. It's just that this was a very, very powerful example. This kid was clearly feeling real emotions. Okay. But the thing he was feeling them about was a totally fictional scenario. Now on Wikipedia, it says, uh, I, and I don't know what the source of this is. I mean, I, I couldn't follow the link there. It says that what inspired this kid's, um, uh, performance was, uh, in, in the audition was thinking about his, uh, uh, pet dog of his that died. Okay. So, so the thing is, but, but, but the point is, is that, that this kid was generating emotions on the spot purely based on his imagination. Okay. So the insight I had was as follows. Okay. The imagination is clearly capable of generating these impressions, which in turn can affect our, our emotions and our way of thinking and our, our decision-making. And, Yet, yet the emotions, the sorry, the imagination might not be at all in contact with something that is actually real. In this case, it, he was crying about a, a fictional alien being taken away by a fictional uh, government agent. And and here's the insight. The insight is as follows: How often are we in the grips of a powerful emotion? Okay, and we're convinced that the thing we're fretting about is real because the emotions are real. Let me say that again. How often do we find ourselves in a position where we are feeling intense emotions about something and we become convinced that the thing we're feeling emotions about is real because the emotions are real? In reality, the emotions can be real even though the thing that we're fretting about has no basis in reality whatsoever, okay? And like this, this child actor, you know, it was a completely fictional scenario and yet the emotions he was feeling were real. So. You know, that's really what Epictetus, this gave me a new appreciation of, of what Epictetus was saying, which is that, you know, you could be in a state of tremendous anger, sadness, you know, uh, love, wh whatever passion, whatever the, the, the emotion is, and your emotions are certainly real. You are feeling real feelings, but the catch is that those feelings might be entirely generated by an impression that your imagination has concocted, right? And your imagination is not necessarily based drawing off of anything that is real. Your imagination might be playing off of a fear, you know, that uh, that has no basis in reality or an outcome that is not going to happen that is in the future. You might be catastrophizing about something that might not even come to pass, you know. And I, for me, I, mean, I don't know if I'm relaying this properly, but it was just this this woe moment about about what if we how powerful would it be if we could actually practice what Epictetus is saying? And to to be able to stop in the heat of the moment in the, with the emotions and say, OK, I am feeling this emotion or I have this impression. OK, but before I let the impression generate these emotions, I have to ask myself, is the impression accurate? You know, is it an accurate representation of the reality? And is the evaluation that I'm attaching to that that representation uh, the right evaluation? I'm deeming this good. Uh, maybe it's bad or I'm deeming it bad, but maybe it's good. And this brought to mind something that I, uh, a line in the Rob Boggs introduction to the Gan Eden story in Breshis. This is in his commentaries, uh, his commentary on, on the Chumash prior to Breshis, uh, Bez Dalad, uh, 2-4. Uh, he says, uh, we've, He says, We've explained to you that the imaginative faculty is at the same time a tool which brings man to perfection and a tool which distances man from perfection. In other words, 
our imaginative faculty is what we use to make these impressions to represent things, right? The mind, the the only part of you that can actually perceive reality itself, cannot operate without any material, and it gets its material from the senses and the imagination. So your mind needs your imagination in order to function, but at the same time, your imagination can can block or distort the perceptions of the mind. So it's it's uh, it's a love hate relationship. It's 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 the imagination is critical for perfecting your your intellect as a human being, but it's also something that is the cause of all all bad decisions and all uh, harmful and negative emotions. And somehow, I guess this one clip of uh, this this uh, child actor uh, summoning real emotions in this uh, in this performance really really got to me. And just made me realize how, yeah, an actor can control these emotions. And imagine if we had that degree of control over the emotions we experience in our life. Uh, and I, maybe I shouldn't use that term, control over the emotions. It's really control over the impressions. Again, stoicism is not about controlling your emotions and, and exercising force or repressing or suppressing your emotions. It's about intervening in that pause between stimulus and response, like that famous Viktor Frankl quote uh, that I don't know if it's a real quote or not, um, that... Uh, that you know, pausing between the stimulus and the response and asking yourself what the reality is and then and then allowing your uh, your emotions to flow from a an impression that has been checked, you know, that is actually realistic. You know, if, if, if this thing is really worth being happy about, be happy about it. If it's really worth being sad about, be sad about it. But make sure that the thing you're being happy or sad about is based in reality. Okay, that is it for today's episode. If you have gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Rabbi Alternatively, if you would like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schneeweiss Torah Content Fund, my Venmo is at matt-schneeweiss, and my Zelle and PayPal are matt-schneeweiss.gmail.com. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with the financial freedom to produce even more Torah content for you. If you would like to sponsor a day's or a week's worth of content, or if you are interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor, you can reach me at rabbi-schneeweiss at gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening. Thank you to my readers for reading. And thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.